welcome back to Sextras, where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey and I am not built for the heat, I have discovered. <laughs> After 21 whole years, did you finally discover that this summer? I mean, it's always been a suspicion or a, a known fact, but I just, <laughs> every time it surprises me. <laughs> hmm. I see, fair enough. I really can't relate though. I thrive in the sun and in the summer. I hate winter. Mm, It's just too hot. I'm like, I can't function. I just feel useless. Mm, I do get what you mean. Like, it is a bit much sometimes, but I love the sun. It's so nice. I love it. Mm, Yeah, me too. But uh, yeah, no, 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 no. (laughs) Not for me. Well, hi guys, I'm Maria, and my fun fact is actually related to a fun fact that was mentioned in another episode, which was that I had to get a root canal, like, soon, at that time, it was soon, and I did not get that root canal soon, (laughs) apparently. Well, yeah, I just haven't gotten it, and then basically I just started getting horrible pain, and so my fun fact is that I didn't get my root canal, and therefore my face completely swell up like the entire left side of my face was just like a ball like it just blew up and it was this whole drama and it was like the most excruciating agony and pain and like no dentist would see me and just it was just horrible not gonna lie but I'm getting it sorted so it's all good and yeah like that's part of the reason why the episode's late I'm sorry guys but also to be fair because we've had a lot of technical difficulties but it just hasn't been fun yeah (laughs) It really has not for you. I felt so bad. (laughs) It was so rough. (laughs) Yeah. To be fair, thankfully, my face is kind of going back to normal now, so that's good. (laughs) Yeah, guys, you should have seen. She looks so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I really did kind of blow up. Oh, maybe I'll post a picture or something. (laughs) It made me laugh so much how you texted me being like... Hun, I look like the Michelin man. (laughs) (laughs) I did a little bit though. Yeah, it was so cute. But yeah. (laughs) Oh god, it was so bad. Just PSA, honestly. Just Mm -hmm. take care of your teeth. Just don't be dumb like me. (laughs) (laughs) Just go to the dentist. Well, actually, speaking of taking care of yourself and everything, we have a great episode this week about, like, mental health and mental illness and anxiety and talking about dealing with that in relationships. And we have a really amazing guest, Honey's friend Azura. Honey can tell you a bit more about that. Yeah, so I met Azura because she's actually dating my flatmate at university. (laughs) (laughs) And we are also friends apart from that. She studies psychology and yeah, she's just a really knowledgeable person and she's gonna share some of her experiences with us with having anxiety in a relationship and kind of how she manages that in her relationship, some tips for how to manage that, how to get people to understand your mental health because obviously it might not be something they're going through. So yeah, I think it will be a really helpful episode for anyone who is either dating someone with a mental illness or just mental health problems in general or someone who actually has those that illness or those problems and then 
kind of how to get your partner to understand a bit more so mm. yeah we hope you guys enjoy so Azira welcome thank you for joining us <laughs> Hi, yeah, so my name is Azira. I do a psychology or did psychology because now we're graduated. Yay. Um, Yay. My fun fact would be I'm allergic to like rose stuff that you skincare stuff you put on your face. Like oh. rose flavoured. But I really, really like rose flavoured food. I assume it's so good. <laughs> Every time I put skincare on my face, I just go puffy and red and itchy. Oh no. <laughs> um. Okay, well, we are going to start with a segment. We, actually, we have a few segments because we were being indecisive. <laughs> and we asked first, what are some insecurities you have in your relationships? And the first one is, I always want to be everyone's favourite person. And then I get so sad when I realise I can't be. Classic. Yeah, I relate to this quite a lot. <laughs> I relate to that so badly. <laughs> Oh my God. I mean, you know what's worse? It's like when they're your favourite person and you just know that you're not theirs. That's so deep. Whose favourite person are you and you're not theirs? Well, no, like, as in, like, my boyfriend, like, I know that he's more my favourite person than I am his, you know what I mean? I don't know if that's really a good thing for your <laughs> relationship. Yeah, but that's just how it is. Okay. I kind of feel the same like I think that me and Charlie my boyfriend are each other's favorite person but then when he goes to like do things with other people and he's obviously like having fun with them and I'm like I'm just like oh my god do I not give as much fun to like him? <laughs> yeah exactly that's exactly it I feel like we're like having the most fun when we're together but then when he's like out there in the world like with his friends he seems to be having so much more fun and I'm like Hold on, like, hold on. I thought that we had the most fun, you know? Yeah, no, I, I definitely get, like, anxious about that. I think, like, you just have to kind of realise that there is unlimited amounts of fun that people can absorb. Yeah, and people have, like, different <laughs> fun with different people. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, The next one, just that I can't communicate what I mean properly makes me nervy. Yeah, relate to that. Yeah, no, I get that, especially in arguments. Like, it's so hard to say what you actually want to say, and like, it's like really scary. And then you can't feel like you're properly communicating what is like that's bothering you, or mm. like maybe you're just communicating in a way that is not the way that you actually want to communicate. Yeah. Okay, the next one. That I'm not believing in my potential. That's so sad. I kind of relate from past relationships i also think that this comes across a bit misogynistic mm. a teeny bit if it's from a woman's perspective i can understand that feeling because i feel like a lot of past boyfriends or past people that i've gone out with have definitely made me feel like i wasn't gonna like reach new heights kind mm. of thing mm. as if they, they knew my potential and like they knew what was best for me yeah i guess it is quite a manly thing of they just feel entitled to success but they don't think that women have the potential to have the same success yeah it's kind of fucked up i mean everyone wants to just like feel supported and like believed in yeah so that would just be like really sad yeah i mean definitely in <laughs> one of my past relationships the one before my current one every time something happened that, that i like accomplished that was good I would get like a negative response from my boyfriend and that felt really like shit. I did something good and you're like kind of view me as competition 
I remember one time, like my past boyfriend was so bad at this. We went to play mini golf and I won and he didn't talk to me for the rest of the day because I won against him a mini golf. What? Oh God. <laughs> and I was just like, I was laughing. Like, obviously I was upset because I was like, what do they do to like deserve yeah. this? But it was just kind of like so hilarious looking back at it because I'm just like, are you that <laughs> fragile that you can't yeah. even let like a woman win? at a novelty sports game. <laughs> they just can't <laughs> take it. <laughs> yeah, literally. Just too much They're for ridiculous. <laughs> okay, well, the next <laughs> one is that they'll expect too much from me and my expectations for me are too high. Yeah, I kind of do understand this in relationships. In relationships, you should always aim to grow and grow together. So you want to work on yourself and have some self-awareness during the relationship. So naturally with that, there's like expectations from your partner to act a certain way or like recognise certain things that you might be doing wrong or ways that you can improve. So I kind of get feeling like, oh, they expect this of me because some people, especially people with avoidant attachment style (laughs) already talking about attachment styles (laughs) (laughs) feel really overwhelmed by people's expectations and pressure on you in a relationship to act a certain way because it's like taking away from your freedom or whatever as an individual and your independence but actually is not necessarily a bad thing but I, I completely sympathise with this person, like, feeling overwhelmed. And also on the other side of that, like, obviously people can have really high expectations and that can be a bit toxic or, like, something that you'll just never reach and they're kind of expecting you to be a person that you're not. So yeah. you're, like, constantly trying to live up to that, which is just, like, not a nice feeling to have. Yeah. Mm. I kind of read it as I already have, like, such high expectations for myself that, like, within those expectations, it's a product of me overthinking what they're expecting of me. And so it's like, yeah. oh, I think that they're expecting so much from me. And, like, since I have such high expectations of myself, I'm going to work really hard to, like, get to that. Yeah. And it's, like, all kind of coming from overthinking kind of both things, as in, like, them having high expectations of you and then you you having really high expectations of yourself so then it's just a cycle of be better be better be what they want Mm. there is an area of how you currently view yourself like the reality and then like how you kind of want to view yourself and obviously these two circles if you want to imagine like that do sometimes overlap and sometimes they're really far apart and like the further apart those two concepts are the more unhappy you're going to be and i guess Mm. the more high expectations you're going to put on yourself yeah and I think that's kind of like a lifelong journey that everyone goes on it's not really (laughs) something you can just sort out because obviously it's very complex but I think it is important Mm. to kind of realize that it's okay whatever you see as a downfall isn't a downfall it's just being a human yeah 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 Mm. yeah definitely the next one is that I'm ugly that's deep (laughs) (laughs) I actually like relate to that so much like that's probably one of the most important things on that list for me personally to be honest I probably was like an ugly kid growing up <laughs> like everyone is though. but like yeah. you know some people have like a face that really suits them when they're younger and then people that have a face that suits them when they're an adult mm. I think I have that kind of face but because I have had reactions from people growing up where I like wasn't deemed pretty or attractive I think now even though people say I'm pretty I still think I'm really unattractive and it's really difficult to have that barrier, especially in a relationship. 
Mm, yeah, you like yeah. internalize the kind of messages that you're yeah, like yeah. growing up. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I definitely relate as well. Like, I feel like so many girls relate in some kind of way. Or like everyone. I think everyone feels ugly sometimes. When I was younger, I really didn't feel pretty at all either. And then like suddenly at one age, I felt like people started perceiving me as attractive. So then I was like, oh, okay, I guess I am kind of attractive. And then I feel like I took that and I was like, okay so now this is one of my things and then I'm just gonna like use this and I'm I'm just like a hot girl and I'm just gonna shag loads of people and I kind of took it as like a reactionary thing because like deep inside I kind of felt ugly so then I like needed <laughs> people to be like oh no you're not ugly because you're having sex with so many people so obviously you're not ugly you know and then I don't know I feel like that insecurity can like bleed into so many problems in dating and relationships I really do relate to it no, yeah. In first year, I was exactly the same. <laughs> Obviously, I had been with people in primary school, secondary school, all the way through. So people that used to think I was ugly, even though I had like started to be pretty or whatever, they still didn't treat me any differently. And then they came to uni, and then I just got so much attention from from guys and from people. And I was just like, oh, okay, so like I must objectively be attractive. And then I did just because I had that past insecurity. I I did what you you said. Like I just slept with a lot of people to kind of manage the insecurity that I was scared that I was unattractive, even though mm. I wasn't. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I totally get you. Yeah. But I think that's a big part of growing up as well. I recognise so much of what you guys are saying. I, I notice it in my standards with people as well, like who I go for or who goes for me. I'm kind of just like, oh yeah, they like me and they find me attractive. So I must be interested in them because of that. And it's like, actually, no. You can actually go for people that you find attractive too. It's not just about you and your attractiveness. And it's not even all about attractiveness anyway. It's also about if you like the person as a person. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that, that's also an important thing. If you do have insecurities that you perceive yourself as ugly, it's also important to realise that, like, appearance is not your entire worth. Mm. I mean, I have to, like, write affirmations down every day just mm. to regulate it. But it's important to realise your strengths and so many are not appearance wise yeah yeah Yeah. it's like a massive unlearning of all these things we've been conditioned to think you have to recognize that you bring so much more to the table and if you're already dating someone then it's likely that they already recognize that they're probably not just with you because you're hot they're probably with you for all these other reasons and if it's Mm. in your platonic relationships well they're obviously not friends with you because you're hot like who does that? No one does that. <laughs> so they recognise that you have these innate qualities that make you a good friend. The next one is that I'm too much, like too needy, too obsessive, etc. I think this comes from like a similar kind of insecurity. I think it, as you were talking about attachment styles, <laughs> I think it's kind of a mix of you not feeling like you perhaps can't be yourself and then also an anxious attachment style because I have an anxious sometimes secure attachment style depending on my mood (laughs) but I think it is definitely an over reaction to how you think people are perceiving you as especially if someone makes you feel like you're obsessive needy or like clingy etc they're probably like not the right person because that just means they can't handle all of your greatness yeah (laughs) sometimes people can bring out that side of you as well and that's a big red flag as well people Uh, should be reaffirming you and reassuring you and making you feel good enough at all times feeling obsessive and too needy is also a 
a reaction from someone manipulating you as yeah. well. Keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Go listen to our toxic relationships episode. <laughs> the next one is that they'll leave again, kind of. Anxious attachment vibes. Yeah, very much anxious <laughs> attachment vibes. Also avoidant attachment vibes, but just like playing out in a different way, you know? <laughs> The next one. That they're gonna stop loving me or cheat on me or love someone else. We're still continuing along <laughs> the same vein, I realise, but I just kind of wanted to talk about, like, maybe the cheating a bit. But, like, if you've been cheated on before and all of that kind of shit, like, it can be so hard to move on with your in your relationships with that trauma or, like, reminder. There's so many insecurities in relationships that sort of like stem from one place and then can really continue on along your like dating history and really impede your growth. No, yeah, definitely. I mean, people talk as if like, oh, you just like need to get over them and then you forget about that and you go into a new relationship. But there is just a lot of baggage that does accumulate. Mm. And if you have been cheated on or if someone has said hurting things, that kind of behavior, you're obviously going to take on to the next relationship you have because that's like the reality that you've experienced yeah this is why it's so important to learn about people's exes and like about their past relationships i just will never understand why people are like yeah i don't really like care about your exes like we don't need to talk about it yes you do because there's so much baggage that you probably won't know about until you're like deep into the relationship and then you need to unpack all of those things and be like okay where is this coming from everyone has baggage and on the other side of things you should also like remind yourself that the person you're dating now is not the person you were dating before you need to kind of unlearn those patterns of thinking as well Mm. anyway um my anxiety makes me a little clingy and annoying sometimes. Sounds like all of our followers have anxious attachments. <laughs> As an anxiously attached person and someone that has anxiety, before when you guys were kind of saying like, oh, the feeling too annoying or like too clingy and stuff and obsessive, I feel like I spend so much of the time feeling that way. And then, then so much of the time I kind of spend it like excusing why I am being too clingy or too obsessive and too annoying. And it's like a lot of that is because my anxiety or like my attachment style is just like kind of guiding me to do that when like realistically I don't really need to be that clingy or obsessive about this specific thing. Sometimes you kind of just need to like take a step back and be like, oh wait, like this isn't what's going on at all. You don't need to grab on right now. And I mean, that is exactly what anxious attachment is. You do that when there is not really any need for that. So I don't know, I think a lot of these things, it's like catching out that you are also doing them and like stopping yourself from doing them, not so much. That's just the way you are. Yeah, I mean, it's also kind of links into mental health as well. You're experiencing this and it is your experience and it's valid, but also you are able to learn to take yourself out of that situation, look at what's going on, and on purpose do something else that can Mm -hmm. avoid a bad situation, any triggers, the feeling of being too needy. Because I definitely also feel that, like when, for example, my boyfriend goes to like do something with someone else, or like just does something whilst I'm not there, like I, the moment when he's like, oh, I'm gonna leave now, that 10 seconds of him leaving, I get so anxious and I'm like, no, 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 he can't leave, something's gonna happen, yeah, yeah, like, exactly. I can't be on my own. Mm-hmm. And I have that, like, it sounds really stupid, but it just has been really tough to just step out of that and be like, 
I'm in my house, I'm safe, like, he's just doing something, he'll be back in two hours. Yeah. Like, it's not the end of the world. Okay, the next one. That if I'm in a really bad state mentally for too long, they're gonna leave me or stop loving me. For people that are, like, mentally ill or, like, experience mental illness, I feel like that's kind of a real fear sometimes, which can then be, like, also exacerbated because you are mentally ill, so the mental illness is, like, making it worse. But, like, I feel like it is something that people kind of think about it's like oh but I'm so depressed like what if they can't love me through this what if this takes too long to come out of and like they leave and I think that that can be just a worry that people that experience like mental illness might have that it's like what if this person doesn't understand or maybe not even a worry it's like something that people experience Mm -hmm. some people just can't deal with relationships with people that experience mental illness yeah it's difficult situation I think personally for me like sometimes if I'm not in a good mental state I'm like I know this is not a good idea for me to be in a relationship because I just can't think about the other person right now I need to just think about myself and there should be a certain amount of reciprocation in a relationship so I think it's important to have that awareness as well Mm. I think communication is the most important thing it's obviously a lot easier said than done but this is a, like a lesson that I had to definitely learn. Like I'm constantly, you know, one could say in a bad state mentally because I'm just constantly anxious about a lot of things and it's tiring for myself to regulate it. It's tiring for like my boyfriend sometimes, but we just talk about it a lot. Mm. We think like we talk about triggers, like we talk about what we can do, like when, when I start to feel anxious or like when certain symptoms of my anxiety appear. And I think if you, like, as you said, like, sometimes if you're in a bad state, it's not good for you personally to be in a relationship. But if it is, and you do enjoy being in a relationship with someone, and obviously if it's a mental illness, you'll have it long term. Mm. I think it's important to talk to the person you're going out with and not be afraid of it because you need to, like, work together like you're a team. You're not just, like, two people that are judging and only being there for, like, good times. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that's a big benefit of being in a relationship for a long time is that you get to know each other and the person can get to know your patterns and your mental health and as you said like the triggers and they'll understand it more and that just comes with communication as you said and it just takes a while Mm. to get to know someone but like once you do then you'll understand more where the other person is coming from rather than they're just kind of like suffering alone and then it will feel less like work i know that's the wrong word but yeah well just to add on from that the last one is my moods are so up and down and it can be a lot and i'm so inconsistent as a friend so again i think that also comes from communication getting to know each other more and then it's like you know that about the inconsistent moods you know you learn how to regulate that as in like you can help each other like kind of how zero was saying like you're more a team yeah okay well let's move on to the next question so how did you break your mental health to your significant other and how did they take it the first one is yes i've never withheld and i've never had any negative reactions that's good. Yeah, very good. <laughs> a great one to start off, yeah. you know, good vibes. <laughs> okay, the next one is, yeah, they were accepting as long as I worked on myself and didn't treat them like a therapist, lol. <laughs> that seems like a fair enough caveat. Yeah, and then the person who feels like they're being the therapist should also 
I set boundaries and be like, okay, I obviously want to help you work through stuff. And I will get onto this a bit later, I guess. But there's only like a certain amount I can do. So maybe I can help you with these things or I can help you to an extent, but maybe you should also talk to your friends or a professional and that will help you as well. Yeah. And and like no one likes hearing someone complain about the same thing all the time and you're like giving advice and they're just like having a pity party for themselves and you know they're not going to do anything and like I know that mental illness is not the same as that but I think like the whole as long as I work on myself that doesn't look like oh I'm just fixed tomorrow and like yeah I'm not going to be depressed anymore it's more like I'm committed to wanting to better myself and not I'm just not just gonna like let this wash over my life you know I feel like that's like an all right thing to say that you will do to be in a relationship with someone you know like the meeting in the middle thing yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Definitely. the next one is yes my current partner my fiance has always been supportive i had an ex that broke up with me though imagine you being like i'm depressed and they're like goodbye <laughs> <laughs> that just shows the immaturity of your ex if someone is gonna break up with you because of mental health issues they're obviously ignorant to life (laughs) to be fair at the same time i do want to validate that not everyone can handle that kind of relationship or i don't know what the specific person struggles with but like it might have just not been something that they could handle so the next one is yes and they found it difficult to understand at first but now it's amazing and helps loads yeah i mean i think it can be difficult for people to understand at first, especially if they're not going through a similar thing because they just physically cannot comprehend what that might be like. The people that don't have anxiety, like probably the only time they have anxiety is before their driving test or before an exam. When that is the only time you experience anxiety, it's quite difficult to imagine that that's the state someone is in constantly about everything. Yeah. Mm. So, like, yeah, my, my boyfriend was in disbelief, kind of being like, oh, why can't you just, like, not feel like that? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, it, it takes, it does take time to kind of explain how real the situation is for you. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, when he did, he, like, is so amazing. He tries so hard to avoid triggers. Like, if we go into a shop and it's really busy, he'll just be like, do you want to leave? And I'm like, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. I think it's just the willingness to want to help and want to understand you know yeah yeah yeah, sure next one he knew from the first day i'm also a mental health nurse so we talk about it openly what are your thoughts do you think it's like a first date kind of confesh i guess it kind of depends on the person like i don't think you should feel obliged to say it on the first day but also it's not like a massive thing that you have to like sit down and be like, I have to tell you something, I'm depressed, you know, like, I think that can also make it seem really intense, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. If you want it to be that way, it can, but for some people, they'll just, like, drop it in in conversation, and that's, like, enough for them to mention it. But yeah, if someone told me that on the first day, I wouldn't be like, oh, whoa, like, calm down, that's just, like, how they are. Okay. The next question is, how has a partner helped you manage your mental illness? Someone said they gave me the stability and routine to get myself stable. Love him for that. Yeah, I can relate to just needing the stability and the routine Mm. and like having someone to help you with that is quite good. I'm not very good at routine. (laughs) (laughs) 
someone else said they called and came to visit me so we can just sit together and make sure I've taken my meds every day. Mm. The best is just showing up, just being there. And you don't necessarily have to do anything a lot of the time. I feel like a lot of people feel pressured to like do something or say the right thing. But a lot of the time it's just like about being there and like mm-hmm. letting them not feel like they're going through it alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The next one is he helps me get out of my anxiety spirals or helps me realise when I'm in them, I guess. Sometimes you're like mentally ill brain talking to you and kind of like telling you all these things, these things, and it's like just nice to have someone that's like rational and doesn't have that voice just be like, no, this is what's happening. Like, don't worry. <laughs> this, that You don't have to take it there, you know? Uh-huh. Okay, the next one. Yes, learns my triggers, helped me pay for therapy, listens and doesn't try to solve. <laughs> yes, get you a man that pays for your therapy. Yes. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Where can I find one? You need to get like a sugar daddy who's like also a therapist. <laughs> 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 Although I feel like maybe that's a bit problematic. <laughs> Someone else said they've only ever been detrimental to it. Um, Attachment to them brought me happiness. So their attention, validation, making me laugh, making me feel wanted. He didn't directly help. It was unknowingly. Sounds like he's a really, really good person. Yeah. (laughs) And then we did a poll. We asked, are you mentally ill? And 81% of people said yes and 19% of people said no. Yeah, we were just curious, to be honest. This was like, you know, part of our scientific research journey. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, seems like we've got a lot of mentally ill people listening to the podcast. Yeah, and then we did another poll where we asked if you are mentally ill, would you prefer to have a partner who is also mentally ill or prefer for them not to be? And 33% of people said a partner who is also mentally ill and 67% said a partner who is not also mentally ill. So I guess this is kind of like relating back to what we were saying about like, you know, sometimes you do need that like rational person to kind of ground you or sometimes to people who like have their own mental health issues in a relationship it might just kind of be a little bit of a cycle like a where clash. You, yeah um and I have like kind of experienced that so I kind of understand why that would be a problem what do you guys think what would you vote I mean I would actually vote for like I don't mind <laughs> uh, yeah as you said she wanted an I don't mind option <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I also think it's like you can't really choose your partner based on like, do you, you have mentally <laughs> ill or not? <laughs> you, know, you might just fall in love with someone and like that's how it is. Okay, so yeah, I guess should we start by talking about mental health just as a concept? Like, we wanted to kind of but Azira was saying she kind of wants to talk about, not to just pin it on you, <laughs> like that the difference between like mental health and mental illness, which I think is important, especially like in the context of relationships to like both help you understand like maybe what the other person is going through and also to like clarify to yourself. I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, I think... Obviously, like, everyone... I don't I don't believe that there's anyone that has not experienced me- mental health 
issues maybe perhaps I don't I just think that some people aren't aware of it mm-hmm. this world is very negative yeah. <laughs> like the, the real world is very negative like and it will affect you you're not like some perfect person that like is unaffected by like all this shit stuff that happens all the time mm-hmm. but um I think there is like a really important like separation that needs to be done between mentally ill and like mental health issues because medically that means if everyone's just poured into the same situation the people that like really need help won't get it because there's that just like basically means that everyone needs help but like that isn't exactly the case so I do think it's important to recognize if you are mentally ill but also recognize if it's a mental health issue if you're going through something that even like a mental health issue can still last like two years and that's still not mentally ill that's just a situation that you have been put in Mm -hmm. by your brain (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. I get what you mean but I I think like it's it's a separation that needs to be made but also with the stress on don't devalue like people's feelings like it's still both of them is still very real and very important it's just having a mental illness is like cognitively like deep rooted in your brain and it's how your brain works whereas like mental health issue is just how you've experienced something bad and you're badly reacting to it mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like the distinction also helps with like destigmatizing mental illness in a way because a lot of ignorant people or whatever think that mental illness is something that just happens to like this kind of person or that kind of person i don't know just like someone that has been through like a really hard life or really specific trauma in their childhood or you know that kind of thing yeah when realistically everyone experiences like mental health issues at some point or another because everyone inherently has to like look after their mental health like their physical health like it's part of everyone's lives so you know that kind of gives us the ability to empathize with people that actually experience mental illness because we can kind of experience those things to some I don't know everyone can kind of experience those things to some capacity yeah 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 and it can help you to like understand like you can can kind of contextualize (laughs) what the other person is feeling based on you know, your own experiences, even if it was, like, a brief moment where you felt something similar, you're like, okay, well, this is how that person feels maybe all the time, maybe, like, more regularly than I did in that moment, you know? Yeah, no, definitely. I think, uh, like, it's definitely an important distinction. And, yeah, we kind of want to talk about both mental health and, like, how you deal with it just, like, by yourself, which we always want to talk about on the podcast. I feel like it's important, (laughs) especially with the people like the age of people that listen to our podcast like like it's very prevalent in our generation I don't know if that's because I mean I don't know (laughs) you probably know better than I do (laughs) why why our generation has so many mental health issues yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think obviously like in the past 100 or 200 years like these issues like and minorities and discrimination has always happened but obviously under the radar or it's been accepted or Mm -hmm. people just repress it because that's just what you have to do to survive if no one will accept your existence. Yeah. And obviously 
in the past like few decades i mean it, it started happening in the 50s but like that's still there was still that like repression and so like a lot of people ignored it like yeah, yeah racism sexism like ageism all these different things so i think in the past 30 years or whatever there have been like it's been okay like and now it's like okay there's these issues and now we're actually allowed to like emotionally experience it yeah so it's kind of like like our mental health has gotten worse because we're kind of like nearly not the end but we're at the everything's out in the open now yeah and like you're actually able to experience everything and not just ignore it or oppress it or just like pretend it doesn't exist like these issues do exist and yeah like even though long term that makes like the world eventually get to a better place mm-hmm. like i think our generation and probably like obviously younger generations as well i just feel like there are so many issues that need to be solved yeah and also you're just like constantly confronted by all the yeah, issues yeah, yeah. because we like have phones and yeah, have yeah. social media well i guess we wanted to talk a bit about as well like how mental health impacts your relationship like you wanted to talk a bit about as well like telling your experience with telling your partner about your mental health and like him learning which I think is like really helpful for other people to kind of apply because I do think as we have seen in the segment people find it really hard to like communicate exactly how they feel with their partner or maybe their partner just really like struggles to understand where the other person is coming from or you know exactly what's going on in their minds so do you want to like tell us a little bit about what it's been like for you (laughs) I mean the first I mean all of my relationships before the one that I have currently have been quite bad like I have always had anxiety and worry since I was like started to you know talk and started to have opinions of the world I would always worry horrendously about everything and like so being in that kind of constant state of like not feeling safe or like not knowing what's going to happen and like the uncertainty the uncertainty in that it's definitely like ended up being me and I would just ignore it and like then in my past relationships I would just kind of react in a way that like my anxiety wants me to react in and that as well as well as me making that mistake and not putting like my anxiety aside and being like oh this is an issue I need to sort out the people that I went out with didn't value like my point of view or like definitely just took me for granted definitely Mm. manipulated me in many different ways so like I didn't have it's only recently that I've been able to process my anxiety Mm. and like be supported by it so it's been it's been like a really rough journey for me personally but like telling my my current boyfriend about it is just so cathartic especially how he helps like I have had such a negative response to talking about my anxiety that when he responded positively it kind of is like oh that's not meant to happen like something bad's meant to happen (laughs) they're meant to say like you're crazy or something (laughs) which is like again an issue in itself like the first step is to realize that like the person that you're talking to is not your past like how Mm. we were talking about earlier and like that is such a real and such a difficult problem to overcome Mm Yeah. Had you sort of like brought up your anxiety before with other people that you dated and then just like reacted badly or was this like the first time that you'd even said it out loud? 
no, I did. I have actually said it quite a few times to past people, just with a bad reaction. I think that the main like theme that would uh, occur in past relationships is that it's not attractive. Like that, mental having a mental illness isn't attractive, and like therefore mm. that's like my fault and like a downfall of me. Like I would be in, for example, like I was quite quiet in public. I would like ask them, you know, maybe sometimes I, I I would ask them to buy a drink for me rather than me like going to the counter or like when we would meet their friends, I wouldn't talk as much or like I wouldn't talk as much when we'd order food, stuff like that. Mm. And then afterwards they'd be like, why can't you talk more? Like, why can't you be more confident? Like that's so much more attractive if you're just like confident. And they wouldn't accept like like that's just they like it would be my issue, and that it's like you know less points to me yeah. because I'm not as confident as they want me to be. Um, I'm so stupid. No, I know. Mm. And we got in like a few like my past relationship before this one, we did get in a few arguments because he was so obsessed with looking perfect, like publicly just being amazing, like no faults, just absolutely yeah. like flawless. Like, which is unattractive in itself <laughs> and then when I would just be my true self and sometimes yeah I do have I do say mis- like do mistakes or do something that isn't traditionally attractive like just being more quiet or just like not really talking as much or like saying like oh do you mind if we leave the shop like I feel a bit anxious mm. like they would just be like why can't you just be confident and like live your life like why do mm. you have to be like this so yeah I have had like that was kind of the perspective of my anxiety and like my boyfriend now obviously he didn't like immediately go like yes I understand I'm here to help like yeah (laughs) like obviously he wasn't like that he was like confused and definitely like was overwhelmed at the start because I don't think he realized how if you have clinically diagnosed anxiety, I don't think a lot of people understand how much that changes your perception and your your life of everything. Mm. So it was a massive like learning curve for him to understand how I view the world. But like when he did that, like everything was a lot easier because we could just work together as a team. And like I really appreciate that. Mm. Mm. And how did you like get him to understand? Was it like just a, like a lot of conversations and you kind of yeah. like describing what it's like or what kind of helped get him to sort of understand or see how to help? I would kind of just describe the situation, ask him how he interprets the situation, and then say how I interpret the situation and like compare. Oh yeah, that's a really good. For way. example, if he if he sent me a message and I took it personally like I would be like okay how would you read this message oh I read it in this way or like you did this you didn't think anything of it or like whatever you didn't think that was important but from my perspective I saw it as this way Mm -hmm. like doing that kind of makes him realize like my agency and realize how I see things different to his expectations of how he sees things Mm. but yeah like obviously that's quite difficult to understand that some like how you view is not like the objective yeah view of everything mm. but i feel like that's quite good though i feel like everyone should be doing <laughs> that regardless of whether they have like mental health problems because inevitably even if you're the health like most mentally healthy person yeah, yeah. in the world you still are going to see things differently to how someone else sees yeah. it so you should like try to understand more the way your partner interprets things and 
yeah, I've never even like thought of doing that to be honest. But I'm kind of like, wow, this is a good tip. I I also like if there's an an environment that we're in, like a pub or a party or like just a, a sh- like a busy shop, I will kind of go like, oh, is there anything that you can see that is like potentially like dangerous or like harmful to you and you're he's like obviously like no this is just a pub and like to me it's like oh well I could get like like sensory overload I get quite often where everything's just loud and everything feels really claustrophobic Mm. when I am worried about something I get like a million thoughts at once like oh this could happen this could happen this could happen I don't know if like this like you know when you get if you're like scared of flying you're like oh I might lose my bag it might crash or we might have really bad turbulence like who I'm meeting at the airport might not even be there like Mm -hmm. so many different things like I think about all these different scenarios at once within the situation and it's like that's what I have to tell my boyfriend for him to realize that I'm constantly like on the lookout for like danger even Mm -hmm. though there's none there (laughs) yeah yeah the amount of times that I'll be, like, kind of just talking my boyfriend through, like, something that I'm kind of thinking about, like, a dilemma I have in the moment or whatever, you know? And I'm just, like, I'm saying the million things that could, like, happen if I do this versus if I do this, you know what I mean? Or, like, the million ways that things could go wrong in this or whatever. (laughs) And he's always just, like, what are you talking about? Like, he literally just does not, like, cannot relate at all so I like definitely see that like seeing how how you read situations or like how you experience a a situation versus how they're experiencing it to like really understand what you're going through and therefore like be able to help you or like just be able to sympathize with like what you're going through you know yeah do you mind talking a bit about kind of things that make you anxious I mean you said sensory overload and (laughs) I don't know if you guys have spoken about sensory overload but it's obviously a term that I know from taking psychology, but it can probably just be best described as having a panic attack or an anxiety attack. And that is like the first kind of sensation that you feel when you're having like one of those attacks. And it is just like suffocating. You feel like like a lot of your your brain becomes hypersensitive to like your senses mm-hmm. and you just think that like it's very loud like people around you are like too close like something could happen someone might like be behind you like make you jump like you just feel like paranoid Mm -hmm. like that is like the best feeling to describe it um so I do I do feel sometimes I can kind of just like jump at me like out of nowhere and I do kind of get like worried about something that like doesn't even like exist Mm. like I'll just be like in my house on my own and I just like start panicking yeah with my anxiety it's kind of like okay I need to stop like why am I anxious like where is this coming from but like I, I do have a lot of like I was I was bullied quite a lot when I was in primary school and in secondary school so I I do have quite a lot of insecurities and like I do have the urge to people please all the time yeah that in terms of like me being insecure and like wanting people to like me and and if they don't like I'm an awful person like those kind of things all like interlock Mm -hmm. to create like the anxiety that I experience Mm. well I was wondering about sort of like what are some ways like I know you've said uh sort of like helps you avoid triggers things like that but are are there any like specific things that you can point to that your boyfriend has sort of like started doing or does or has helped you in the past with yeah yeah I ask him to definitely say like 
supportive phrases if I'm starting to worry, like just saying like, it's okay, like you're safe, all these things, which for him don't cost anything. It's actually three words, but it definitely makes me feel a lot better. Mm. So we do talk about some phrases that make me feel better. And then, you know, when I start to get anxious, he just like tells them to me, reassures me that like I am safe and everything is okay. And we do talk about like specific triggers. A lot of the time when we're out in public, I, I worry so much that people can see my anxiety that I like start to panic about it when obviously no one is looking at me and no one gives a fuck. <laughs> but like, you know, it's just like things like, I know him hugging me or like him asking if we need to sit down. Obviously I've told him that this is what I need you to ask me. Mm. Cause like, I'm not gonna be like, I'm anxious. I will sit down, I will have a drink, I will be fine. Like. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, like, when I'm panicking, I don't think about those things. So yeah, I ask him to do these, like, little things that obviously will be different from for different people, but these kind of, like, small activities, like, help me calm mm. down personally. Yeah. So it's, like, the, the helpful stuff that he does is... Do you think it's, like, all stuff that you've specifically, like, spoken to him about? I mean, like, this is what would help? Or, like, has he even come up with like helpful stuff on his own from just like understanding yeah yeah what's going on do you know what i mean do you think it's a bit of both or like do you think it's really important to like definitely i feel like i kind of just say like oh this is the way i think and it's like i just expect them to then be like okay so i know that i have to do this and like you know come up with their own care plan but i feel like a lot of the time you have to like specifically actually say this is what would be helpful like this is what you need to do because it's hard for people to just come up with that on their own do you know what I mean so sorry back to the question do you think it's like a mix of both or no it's definitely a mix of both like if I just sat there and like expected him to like know what to do it probably won't turn out very well Mm. Um, (laughs) but no, yeah, like, I've, I've definitely said to him, like, these are the specific things that I really need you to do when I'm starting to, like, feel really anxious or just day-to-day, like, really makes me feel more at ease. But he has also just, like, you know, him being supportive, him taking things more slower, like, talking slower, like, being less loud. Like, I didn't ask him to do any of those things. Like, he just, you know, put two and two together and mm. kind of realised this probably helps a lot, and it does help. Mm. I feel like talking to your partner about like your mental health or mental illness or whatever it's not just like sit down have a conversation about like I have anxiety and this is how it is and this is what you can do to help like I feel like it's there's stuff that's coming up all the time and like it kind of sounds like you and your boyfriend kind of have this like ongoing dialogue about like your anxiety and what's kind of going on what might be helpful and unhelpful or whatever what do those conversations sort of look like like when you're in a relationship rather than just like sharing the first you know the first time like oh I have anxiety it's like how do the does the conversation like keep evolving yeah I mean my anxiety is always with me and it's not of like specific topics always changes like this time last year I was definitely anxious about completely different things which I thought would last forever or that I have now come to terms with and you know now other things have like popped up that I'm worried about I think for me personally like I do psychology so (laughs) my brain definitely works in like a, a why kind of like way like I'm anxious like why am I anxious because it's loud why am I anxious when it's loud and I do have to like backtrace like into my childhood 
Like, and then I explained that to Charlie. Like, my dad shouted at me a lot when I was a kid and he was quite angry. So, you know, because of that and because of that's how I expect people to be, like, I'm afraid of it, but, like, I expect people to always be like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, when Charlie is, if he is sometimes loud by accident, like, that's why I get anxious. Or, like, if we're in a pub and someone started a fight or something, like, that's why I'm anxious. Because someone close to me has treated me like that, and mm-hmm. that means that I'm unsafe. So now I feel unsafe. I am anxious because someone who I don't know is having a fight, like, across the room. Mm-hmm. But, like, I think, obviously, I don't know how hard it is to do that to backtrace your emotions until you find the root cause because that is very difficult to do but as I said I've like been trained (laughs) to like do that so I kind of am able to backtrace until I can Mm. explain in in steps like the workings out of like why I'm anxious currently Mm. that's like one of the main types of conversations I have with Charlie because it definitely helps him understand a lot more thoroughly rather than I'm just anxious right now because it's loud full stop mm. do you ever worry that like maybe you rely a little bit too much on Charlie like or, or on your boyfriend for no I'm not like it's not my opinion but as in like as someone that's meant to yell I feel like I kind of like relate to relying on people kind of to help you through your stuff because you know like that's what people are for like people are there to help you and whatever you need to support but like do you ever worry that you've kind of like ingrained too much of your sort of like coping into your boyfriend and into your relationship and then like if he's not there then what are you gonna do kind of thing no yeah I I definitely have that worry a lot of the time I do have to remind myself that like the ongoing dialogue that I have with Charlie exists when Charlie isn't there as well. I kind of just have to try my best to, you know, be that other person and create the the separate perception of the situation that Charlie will have. But like, you know, when he's not there, someone else needs to, Mm. like, I need to create that separate perception, which is, again, like, more work that you have to do. Mm. But um, of course I do worry that I rely too much on on Charlie because he does help a lot but I think like me and him have such a deep like we have such a deep connection and like we want to be together for like forever so so, like we both know like it's okay like these like some other people might see them as risks or like obviously you know if you have commitment issues it might be like quite difficult to come to terms with this but like we both have like a deep bond where we both know that like we do rely on each other Mm. when we're not there for each other it is difficult but like we're just learning to I'm as I said like even though I do psychology I'm not perfect in mental health like I just know that I still need to work on a lot just because like you maybe do rely on him for some things and he does help a lot with your mental health that can then facilitate your like own like self-soothing in a way and knowing that Charlie has that like I can rely on Charlie does put me at so much ease Mm. and it does help me stop panicking even like I don't even need to act on the reliance I have on him Mm. with that because I then already have like this reliance like hovering like Mm. around me being like you know if I need help I can have help but then that kind of takes away the power of my anxiety because you know there's already like a safe haven like here Mm -hmm. even if it isn't physically here yeah 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 I think it's such a hard line because it's like 
people are so judgy or like not judgy but like people say all the time like oh you have to like learn to be able to cope on your own and all of this stuff but it's like as i said earlier like people are always then saying like oh you need a good support system and it's kind of like treading that line of like i need this person to like help me through this but then it's like i need to also be able to do this by myself in a way but i don't know it's, it's hard but i think that there's no shame in like people helping you and I feel like yeah. people sometimes make it that way when I don't really think it should be that way. No, I agree. Like, completely. Like, it's so, like... We're social people. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's it's really, like, trendy to be, like, you need to love yourself before mm. you can, like, love other people or, like, before you can help others. And, like, I do, obviously, mm. understand. But it's also, at the same time, like... I feel like that's just asking, like, when I'm perfect, I'm gonna then, like, love mm. someone else. Like, you're never gonna come to that conclusion if you think in that way or think that something's always like wrong with you but nothing is wrong with you you're just like like everyone is like unique and has different things that are going on yeah and i think a good way to um sort of escape the like okay now they've left i and i have nothing like i have no one to help me or like like there's not i can't do this by myself because i feel like that's kind of how i felt when my relationship ended because my ex was like the only person that really like knew how to deal with all my problems and like kind of like knew how to comfort me or whatever and I don't know after that I was kind of like oh maybe it's just a case of like there's a few people in the world that know the secrets of like how to calm Maria down and like how to ease this or whatever because then it's like okay then if we break up then it's okay because my mum knows how to do this too so (laughs) she can help me yeah so like because I'm like very conscious of the people listening who are like don't really like know what gives them anxiety or like maybe they are experiencing anxiety and they didn't even realize it was anxiety but like do you think there's anything that you experience that a lot of people would also experience like that gives them anxiety or like a common kind of theme that people can relate to i think a lot of things to do with like identity is is really important and definitely is probably, I mean, that is, insecurities are part of your identity. I do think sexual orientation and also gender is definitely a massive, like, massive, like, situation that a lot of people get anxious about and feel insecure about and perhaps don't even know that they do feel like that. I, myself, am non-binary and also bi, so it's, like, two situations which like I have been like terrified like Charlie my boyfriend is the first person I've like said this to because in the past relationships I just wasn't comfortable and I knew that they'd they completely judge me on it and it's really difficult to come to the conclusion and like that Mm. it's okay to tell people and to feel safe as well knowing like they're gonna respond in a good way like in first year I wore loads of street stuff and I really liked like baggy clothes and I went to like several parties and like several like people's houses and they'd all just assume I was like straight lesbian and I would just be like why are you assuming this like and it wasn't even just like oh I think they know that like not know because I'm not but like I think that they think this like they would genuinely like I would be talking I mean this was when I was single so I'd be talking about a guy that I found attractive to my friends and like someone who I didn't really know would be like oh like I don't think you're interested in guys like why what and I would just be like what and then they'd be like aren't you like gay and I was just like no <laughs> like so many people would assume <laughs> that which obviously added to my anxiety because I was like oh I'm, I'm not even a lesbian like yeah I'm not straight but I'm not even like full 
gay and yet some people think <laughs> that I am and they yeah. assume and they then create like this weird like fake person that isn't even me mm-hmm. I think a lot of people can probably relate to being falsely judged or you know avoiding saying anything because they are being judged like or worried that they will be judged and definitely with like being non-binary it's definitely difficult to like explain it to people like I know our generation like is obviously a lot more entwined with like the LGBTQ plus community but um like I have said like the phrase non-binary to my friends and they were just like we don't know what that is Mm. (laughs) and and it's really difficult like I mean I I definitely had the feeling like the anxiety of non-binaryness before I even knew what it was called and it was just like I know it's like a massive product of my upbringing like I was bullied a lot by girls like only girls up until university Mm -hmm. (laughs) so it it was so difficult to like be friends with girls to talk to girls like I didn't identify with girls because like they were like my enemy because they just weren't nice to me and it definitely created this identity that like I wasn't okay so I'm not them because they don't like me and they don't accept me Mm. but then like I'm obviously not a boy because I'm not a boy (laughs) because like I had boy friends who were boys and I was like yeah I get on with them better than girls but then I'm not really like I don't see like we're not the same like identity Mm -hmm. so I did feel like I was just in this like gray area Mm. and like still like throughout first year and second year of university I would feel fine and I'd have phases of just feeling like really like strangely alienated from everyone around me and I thought like I generally thought like oh maybe I'm depressed maybe like something's going on they just don't maybe I'm like dissociating and it's just I just realized I was so scared to like think about why I don't identify with like either binary Mm. genders and like why I'm so terrified of talking to people about it mm-hmm. and like obviously like your anxiety is only going to take you so far like so I think if you say to someone like oh I'm gay or like oh I'm trans or like I'm non-binary like some people are going to react badly that's not your fault you don't know who's going to react good mm-hmm. good or bad I can't really give any advice <laughs> on that but I think it's definitely something that I think probably a lot of people can relate to yeah I think especially because we're like in a time as you were saying where like we are so aware of even just like mental illnesses because of social media or because of the amount of information we have available to us and also um like sexuality like sexual orientation gender presentation and just gender identities we are aware that we have like these names to put to feelings but then it's still not really recognized as like the norm so then like I don't know I haven't experienced it so I don't want to speak for you but then what I've experienced like realizing I'm bi so then like coming to terms with that and like trying to kind of match the feeling or like the confusion of oh I like girls and I like guys what is that like normal to then like matching that with kind of the the word bisexuality or like with the term to what you're feeling is such a like confusing journey and Mm. something that I think most of the population probably experience but yeah can you talk a bit about like how you like came to terms with being non-binary or even how you just like recognize that that was 
because you were saying it was it kind of felt like a gray area so how did you realize oh this is like this is what i'm feeling like i am non-binary or not feeling but yeah yeah the like the world around us is so binary like it's Mm. so like built for women or men Mm. so it's really difficult to have all these these new definitions of emotions of identity that didn't exist when you were a kid or like maybe they did like obviously some did but like didn't exist in your world when you were a kid yeah and it's really difficult to then have these like you know when you think of a man you think of so much more than just the word man but then when you think of all these new words that like the queer community has made it is like it they do kind of come across as just words because mm-hmm. they're just like oh it's just like something that someone has just made up but it's like really difficult to like define your entire identity on this like new concept that mm-hmm. someone has just like presented to you mm-hmm. <laughs> so like the ho- as I said the whole of first and second year I didn't really think about it that much like I was just like oh sometimes I just feel a bit strange and I did it wasn't until I like I follow some artists who are trans and who are non-binary and like I was like oh like they like do they talk about it and I researched into Arca is like one of my favorite artists and she's like trans and also non-binary mm. and I was just listening to the stuff that she was talking about and other artists and I just realized like oh I like get what they're saying like this makes sense to me mm-hmm. and it, it kind of was just like an epiphany it's not so cheesy mm. but it was just like oh okay I'm not like confused I'm not like having like these weird depressive episodes that like I don't understand it is generally like I don't fit into the cis woman identity and it that's okay yeah because like, I don't have any friends apart from like maybe like three friends who are like queer mm-hmm. so it's really difficult personally for me to like give myself that support because there's no one around me to be like oh look what you're feeling is okay or like mm hang out with us because we're all like experiencing the same thing like I don't have that so I definitely have had to like give myself my own little like bubble of safety mm. yeah <laughs> loads of people feel different but it's only like now people are acknowledging that yeah yeah and I think what you're saying about like recognizing how people describe things in like music and stuff is so like interesting and important as well because another thing that people are always saying is like oh we need more representation we need more representation it's so easy to hear that and be like yeah I mean I agree with that but why but it's literally because someone will be describing something that so many people will then hear and like relate to that and because we don't really have the language to like talk about it or acknowledge that these are things that people experience from a young age people grow up like not really knowing how to describe Mm. how they're feeling until they like have someone else put it into words or like they see other people describing their experiences yeah i just think it's important and like it's pride month like we should acknowledge (laughs) that you know happy pride (laughs) yeah happy pride month how how do you think knowing that you're non-binary now has like positively impacted your anxiety no it definitely has positively impacted it it has given me more strength in like my decisions my opinions like mm-hmm. how I present myself you know like as I said in first year when people would just assume that like baggy clothes equals gay for some reason I don't <laughs> literally don't know where that came from <laughs> but like now that I'm like well whatever I can like wear different things and express myself how I want and that doesn't mean anything like mm-hmm. 
you know mm-hmm. and other people will reach that conclusion eventually but you're going to meet people that don't think yeah. that mm-hmm. no it's definitely given me more confidence in how I like dress myself and like express myself mm. <laughs> dress and express <laughs> I mean I'm now that we've graduated I'm going to do like fashion design and I see clothes as like so like one of the most important things mm-hmm. like in t- expressing yourself like it is literally you like it's just an extension of yeah. yourself and I I think that is like has been like my sa- <laughs> like my savior mm-hmm. in like being able to give me confidence and like reassure me that like I mm-hmm. am like who I am yeah I genuinely if I feel like anxious or like I'm like dissociating I just start thinking about clothes like I'm no like idea. I'm like planning all these clothes that maybe I'll like have one day in my mind for like specific scenarios to like help me like be my true self yeah. I have such like a strong saboteur, saboteur in my brain mm. that always is telling me like no like you're mm. bad at everything like mm. you can't do that or like I wear something that I want to wear and sometimes my anxiety does pop out and he's like Haha, you look ridiculous like why would you go out like that mm-hmm. like I mean that is also me being anxious about how I like dress and stuff is also I like from my past relationships like I would put something on and someone would, like one of my mm. ex-boyfriends would be like are you seriously going out like that? Like, really? Like, yeah. or, oh, I think you should change. Mm. Like, oh, I don't think that's suitable for, like, what we're doing. Yeah, no. And for some reason, I was like, yeah, you're right. I'll go change. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, we, like, we were talking about this the other day as well because my partners have done that in the past as well. Yeah, like, dressing not to be sexy and, like, not to attract guys, but just generally, yeah, like to express yourself anyway i feel like we should wrap up because this is getting a bit (laughs) long and also a bit rambly but yeah thank you so much for joining and telling us about your experiences i hope that like some people i mean i know some people will relate and i hope that like the advice that you gave and even just like hearing what other people have experienced in the segment is helpful to anyone who's like anxious or has anxiety um yeah yeah no i think it's i think it's really important to talk about these things and also mm-hmm. like the success of like mental health isn't some like you know like angelic being mm-hmm. somewhere like it's really in reach but also like not everyone is going to like reach the same conclusion at the same pace yeah it's important to see like your journey is unique and like don't compare it to anyone else as well yeah yeah definitely Mm. yeah well thank you and thank you so much you're welcome um do you oh yeah do you want to like tell people to follow you on instagram or like any social media if you want you can follow me on my instagram it's std (laughs) y-i-o like studio but without vowels for some reason okay cool and as always you guys know where to find us on instagram at sextras podcast facebook sextras podcast our website www.sextraspodcast.com please leave us a review but only nice reviews only nice reviews not one no one stars thank you very much (laughs) and share it if you're enjoying the podcast and yeah we will see you next week Bye. bye You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodatiyi, produced by Mabel Productions. Sex.